Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. Hi, I'm Joseph Whitney. And I'm David Campbell. Welcome to Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction technology, processes, and beer. Well, what's going on, David, man? Got another episode of Brewing with BIM. Uh, BIM for the little guys. This will be an interesting one. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to get talking about this. I think it's something um, that needs to be talked about because obviously we feel like everyone can be using BIM in one way, shape, or form. No, and that's perfect. And this is one of those ones that, man, we could just dive deeper and deeper and deeper into this. Um, so I feel like we're just going to be revisiting, you know, not just this topic, but other topics over the course of this podcast. Like we, um, you know, we did a, a lean BIM versus full BIM. And I feel like that's just going to be an ongoing, you know, concept <laughs> throughout all these. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm excited to get this one going, man. I, I meet with a lot of uh, smaller, uh, primarily uh, trades and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. subcontractors for mechanical and plumbing, especially that are, uh, you know, aren't up on the BIM. And when we talk to them about BIM, they have this grandiose idea of what BIM is and that they don't need that. And uh, I'd love to dispel some of those those notions and just uh, j- dive right in, man. Sounds great. So, um, well, first off, you've you've been uh, gone all week. I think you were in Alaska and you were chatting up the the BIM uh, kind of the BIM, you know agenda i guess to everybody you were spewing it out to several different people while you were up there and uh um firms of all sizes big and small yes definitely actually um i was up in anchorage alaska um there was an agc conference up there where i was definitely promoting bim um in one way shape actually in in a couple different ways um through Bluebeam and through um bim 360 itself but um it, it's so funny when you start talking about how BIM can be used and what it really is, what it really means, and that it doesn't have to be, you know, as you said, this big grandiose model, this huge thing that everybody expects BIM to be. It could be as easy as putting information into a PDF or, you know, it's in a form. It's it's all essentially coming together to give us, I pretty much already said it, but information, right? Everybody needs that information and we need to collect it and just having conversations with people. I mean, I'm I'm talking to one person firms and they're asking, how do we, how, how do we get into BIM? What, what is, what does that look like? Yeah. I Uh, mean, I, I can't, uh, can't stress it enough, dude. Those are, those are the conversations that need to be happening because those smaller firms, you know, whether they scale or not, um, they, I don't want to say they hold the industry back, but, um, there, there's a, a notion that we always, um, adopt technology for the least common denominator. And if, you know, we're, we're on a project and we think about, you know, you know, uh, this grandiose idea of BIM in this sense that, uh, these smaller guys are, you know, get overwhelmed. They're not willing to do it. They're, 
they're going to keep doing their own workflows and they find uh, that that just gets them through. But we need to just dispel what what some of this, um, you know, BIM isn't this grandiose idea like you were saying, like we can put information in a PDF and get that same uh, same desired outcomes. Yep. Um, you know, so so I work with so let's take this past week. This past week I was in Chicago, I was in Indy and I was in Michigan. I met with all different types of firms. We were talking with firms that were multidiscipline engineering um, to, um, uh, you know, landscape engineering, mm-hmm. uh, civil 3D, that sort of that those type of firms. And and there's a buzzword on that side of stuff, on the infrastructure infrastructure side of stuff called uh, SIM, which is uh, civil information model. Uh, civil information oh, modeling. Yeah, yeah. You're you're a little off, but but I'm a little off. <laughs> you got the information modeling part right, man. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, and they're they're like, well, what are we ever gonna do? You know, we don't need to get into BIM, but it's like well, you're doing the same thing. You're just doing it with a different pro program. And that's the thing I want to dispel. When I chat with these firms that are like, oh, we're just really good at AutoCAD, very proficient. We don't we don't need to get into BIM. It's like, well. BIM is not a technology. Yes, when we say BIM, there's like a a synonymous, um, uh, you, you know, it's almost understood that we're talking about Revit, I guess. But but at the same level, I could pump uh, an AutoCAD file um, full of you know all kinds of information. If we're talking about dynamic blocks, man, I could I could litter that for days with uh, all kinds of different attributes. Um, but, you know, how does that information get used downstream? I chat a lot about um, uh, point creation, point layout, that sort of stuff. And these firms are just like, well, well, we're not ready for BIM, those BIM tools yet. And it's like, well, you're using AutoCAD, right? Well, you're already using a BIM tool. So let's dispel this notion of, you know, BIM is this over elaborate processes and all that stuff. Let's, let's just get at it to what it really is. You know, as soon as you adapted CAD technology, more or less, you were jumping into a BIM environment because we got away from 2D hand drafting and moved into um, this this mode where we could sh- uh, share a 3D electronic file, whether that be PDF or DWG or, um, God forbid, DGN or whatever the uh, <laughs> the competitors use. But um, at the at its very core, though, is you have this model that you can share with people. Now you have the ability to put information in that model or just derive information from that model simply from the geometry. So whether that be coordination, whether that be fabrication, or whether that be layout or um, you know anything in between, as soon as you adopted a 3D technology, you were already doing BIM processes. We, we just have to, to take your BIM processes to the next level. That's all that is. Yep. And I mean, really, at that point, you're getting what, what I mean, you're getting a BIM execution plan. Essentially, you're getting an idea of how do you or what BIM means to you. How do you want to effectively, I guess, communicate that, share that information, right? And kind of where you want to go with it. Because, I mean, at that point, you're also, um, I, I, I would think you're doing a roadmap, right? You're looking at the different projects that are available to you, you're putting bids on, things like that, and kind of helping or letting that help you evolve into a you know, maybe more elaborate form of BIM than when you start. But I mean, just getting started in it, as you're saying, I mean, getting something as easy as CAD, getting something like Bluebeam and, and um, I mean, well, Vectorworks, there's so many other programs out there that, that 
you don't need something super elaborate like I would say Revit, which is is can be super elaborate and 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 quite frankly a little overwhelming for the smaller firms to initially get into. So I'm I'm th- I'm just as just as you're saying there. I just you just take the step and you get involved and you start seeing how how your models kind of or your 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 PDFs, your DWGs, what have you how this they evolved with that process of you collaborating with other companies and and embedding yourself deeper in that process exactly exactly and you mentioned revit uh again synonymous with the bim uh bim uh uh environment here but um i think what a lot of people realize is uh while you know whatever they're doing today is great like again so uh, autocad great tool or these other programs you mentioned great tools for um you know getting into bim but as you develop your 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 execution plans for projects and your lessons learned after projects complete that sort of stuff you'll start to learn some of the shortcomings and you'll start you know getting to the point where it's like wow if we actually were all in the same program life would be easier so this idea or this notion of of uh you know bim uh bim for all or or this one platform uh, methodology. I think that's where mm-hmm. Revit really, really comes in and starts to shine. But for everybody else, it doesn't matter what you're doing, um, what what uh, 3D program you're really using. Uh, we can teach you BIM processes and practices out of it. I mean, the idea that uh, you're beholden to one program, you know, yeah, you'll probably ruffle some feathers and you'll be going against the grain. But um, AutoCAD, you know, it's a BIM tool. Um, Fabrication CAD MEP, you know, can be a BIM tool. Like all these tools can be BIM tools. It's yep. just, um, uh, like you said earlier, figuring out processes that work for your project and processes that work for your company using the products that you're already using. So I was yep. with uh, uh, a very large regional um, mechanical firm, met with their VP um, uh, this actually past week. And uh, we had a good meeting and we were chatting about BIM. They, you know, they've been chatting BIM for a while. But, you know, they, they, they got it. They're, they're just now going to Revit. They knew what they were doing before was BIM. They were using AutoCAD with Navisworks, a bunch of fabrication CAD MEP type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, no Revit, no Revit whatsoever. You know, maybe through uh, engineering, they were handed a Revit model, but uh, they did not produce it. And then um, uh, their deliverable was never in a Revit model, and they would use Navisworks. So to them, they were fully engulfed in BIM. Uh, they were pumping data through AutoCAD, uh, using Fabrication CAD MEP, using all these tools that all work off the same um, drawing formats, um, but they just weren't using Revit. But they knew they were still using BIM, and I think that's the something that we really have to dispel. I mean, ideally, we want you all to get to Revit, but uh, you know, Revit doesn't necessarily make sense for a civil engineer. So nope. let's uh, talk about integrations and workflows where they can use your civil data for the downstream and achieve BIM using your civil information or SIM or whatever your workflows are. But yep. again, let's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent. We need to get back and dial this back to the small guys, right? So mm-hmm. these small guys, I always just associate as somebody that's using, you know, plain AutoCAD, but I mean, what have you seen? What, what are some of the things that you're talking with people about? Um, you know, these one, you know, five people or less uh, drafting teams. Well, Honestly, um, I'll see some ARCHICAD being used. Um, I will see AutoCAD LT 
Um, I've actually, you know, it's funny, but I've seen some Revit LT, you know, yeah. being used by some smaller architecture firms because it's just a cheaper option. Um, they still, you know, get to model things like that in Revit, but uh, they can't, you know, they can email their models and things like that, but it's a, it's definitely a cheaper price point. Um, yeah, it, it's a, I just want to interrupt there for a second. I, this literally happened to me this it happens to me every week, but uh, a f- very familiar case to me because it happened on Friday. I was chatting with a firm. Uh, we were talking about layout workflows and they're, uh, they're a GC self-performing. And uh, we were talking about um, uh, AutoCAD, point creation, that sort of stuff. And they're using LT, which LT means that you can't use any integrations. There's no like exporting data to tables. Like if I wasn't playing AutoCAD, there's a workflow for me to export points um, without ever having to create points, essentially. Like I can, I figured this out where I can kick it out to an Excel file and create all this stuff. Now, a lot of data collectors will take in uh, a DWG and we can place points. It'll replace blocks with points. So, um, you know, we, we, nece- we don't necessarily have to do all that stuff. But for a firm that does AutoCAD LT, um, does not use blocks whatsoever, their files might be Revit exports um, of 2D plans, and we're mm-hmm. talking like literally just lines, arc circles. Um, there's no way for them to create point geometry and get that uh, further downstream. So we had to like think outside the box and come up with some other solutions. So talking about small firms having to adopt BIM practices, right? They want to do BIM layout. They want to do vertical layout. They want to know where all their footings go, um, where all their walls go. They want to know all this stuff and be able to lay it out. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're not being, they're not pursuing the, um, uh, the normal, you know, the traditional methods of point layout and Revit or, or full-blown AutoCAD. So we came up with a solution with them using a Magnet uh, Office, or I think it was Magnet Field and AutoCAD LT. But, but they were at a lower pl- price point, right? They didn't have to spend absorbent amounts of money. We were able to get them through. Um, and uh, you know a more tedious workflow, but they were able to do all this stuff. So really, they were able to adopt BIM practices without spending much more than they were already spending, without having to relearn all new workflows, but just by using the the um, lines arc circles that they are creating or they're getting from um, the architects. So small firms can adopt BIM without without any real real uh, cost. That's what that's just what I wanted to drive home in the middle of interrupting you man sorry no you're all good i mean that's 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 perfect joey it really is because i mean yes that's the that's the workflows that you want to see well i mean not just workflows but essentially that's what you want to see because i mean it's it's them getting started either with layout and then again helping with that construction process and figuring it out right but it's it doesn't have to be as you said earlier the most grandiose or the biggest and best kind of model it first because i mean it's it's all about the information that you're sharing the information that you're putting into it you know um well that's where an execution plan really comes in handy right Mm -hmm. so i mean a lot of this is as contractors you fly by the seat of your pants been there done that right um but uh uh, you you know you got a job you just got to get it out and you figure out whatever works but if you had planning and foresight that went into it a bim execution plan actually defines the way that you're going to share information that uh, the level of information that you're going to put into this, whether it's a Revit model, whether it's AutoCAD, whether wh- whatever it is, mm-hmm. it defines the the standards and practices that are to be used and, and the information that's going to be derived, therefore, has to be entered. Yep. Um, 
so I mean, it really does make sense of uh, BIM right downstream. So everybody can say they're using BIM. You know, we'll just knock that buzzword right off. Everybody's doing mm -hmm. BIM, right? Most people are doing BIM. Yep. But um, are you doing real BIM? Like, are you getting everything you can out? Like, uh, so this firm, right? We were chatting about uh, magnet and creating points, and you have to manually create them. But if they had used APL, like I showed them in seconds, I've got, you know, thousands of points. So, you know, you can scale your BIM, I guess, is what I was getting at. Yep. Yeah, definitely. You start small and you grow it. Def I mean, honestly, it's – and again, you, we, we've kind of talked on this one a couple times, but it's, it's about that planning. It's road mapping where you are, where you want to be, and, and seeing what's there, keeping a good contact. I, I know um, resellers, consultants, um, just anyone in – your industry, having contact, building a network with people to ask, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? How are you seeing this? I know you guys are a little bit you know, bigger than us. You have a couple more people. How are you guys doing this workflow? You know, hey, I had a contractor ask me for something like this. How would you typically do this? Those are my favorite <laughs> conversations because it's it's a, an aha moment. Yep. Some Sometime, you know, met with a local GC, asked the same question. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you guys are huge. You guys do a lot of work of another GC we work with. And they got like 20 people, you know, they have all these products and workflows. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm a one man shop. And <laughs> I, I do all that work. And I'm like, dude, what? And he's like, yeah. And I work four days a week and um, yeah, I'm about to hire somebody part time, but I'm like, dude, you do X amount of money. It's just you managing, like doing all the coordination and uh, modeling for the type of project you do. He's like, yeah, man, works fine. And so uh, you have these aha moments. You, you get to learn, you know, maybe somebody's got something figured out or maybe they're not overcomplicating it or, uh, you know, who knows, um, uh, whatever it is. I mean, there's always something to learn from from those conversations. Oh, speaking yeah. of those, speaking of learning stuff, man, uh, I didn't ask you what you were drinking. Oh, man. So um, I am actually really cheap this week, and I'm going off of what you had last week. It's pretty funny, but I am drinking a Corona with lime. Ah. I just got home from Alaska, and uh, I did not bring anything back with me. Um, and as I get home, I'm like, ah, I forgot to grab beer, but I had some Corona in the fridge. So, yes. So, so for all the listeners out there, uh, you guys should know one thing. David and I are not planners. Our whole week is planned chaotically, like literally running here, here, and there. So when it comes to this podcast, it's literally a text message saying, hey, what up, man, when you want to do this? Um, yes, and, although and I, I will tell you, 49th State Brewing in downtown Anchorage, uh, they have some fantastic beer on tap right now. Um, I had a uh, – what was it? it? I had a, one of their IPAs, and um, – uh, it was just, it was, it was a really good beer. It was really good. So uh, I bought a 12 pack of beer and I was planning, I was like, you know what? I'll just save this. It's got four different uh, um, types of beer in it and they're all IPAs. And it was while I was in Chicago, I picked up some revolution brewing. Um, they had like this um, hero, superhero, uh, IPA pack or whatever. And I was like, oh, you know what? That's fine. I'll just like, you know, I'll drink my regular beer throughout the week or whatever I'm going to do. I actually got a bottle of scotch in now too. So I might, might have to use that, bust it out for next week. But, uh, or maybe I'll bring it with me to AU and, uh, we can do our podcast on some scotch, bud. but, but, yes. 
so so I had this uh, this uh, 12 pack of beer, uh, four different types, in it, and I was just thinking, I was like, you know what, this will be great. This will be four different weeks. I don't really have to worry about anything. I just leave it in the fridge, and um, I decided, you know, like two days ago, yeah, I'll just go ahead and taste some, you know, see how it is. So I, I cracked open, uh, uh, I think it was the uh, anti-hero Indian Pale Ale. And then I was like, oh, this was very good. I'll try the next one. So I just started trying all of them, and I just looked. So if we had done this podcast any later, if if you had said, hey, are you ready any later, man, I would probably be out of beer. I'm down to my last two. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so so, uh, But they are very good. Uh, Revolution Brewing out of Chicago. I haven't been to the facilities. I just stopped to get some money because the tolls there are insane in like every two miles. <laughs> so I had to get some cash, and I stopped at the gas – I stopped at a grocery store – Picked up some beer and uh, got some cash back for the tolls, and uh, it was well worth it. Well worth nice. it. Nice. Yeah. Oh, nice. where are you going to be this week? Oh, I am. Luckily, I am in Portland this week before I head out to uh, Vegas next week. Yeah, you're presenting, buddy. That'll be a, a fun one. Yeah, but hey. I am excited. Hey, you, man. That's always a good yep. one. And we've had a lot of hey, uh, calls yes. and, and stuff about it, so that'll be exciting. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. If anybody, uh, if any of our listeners are look are going to be at AU, I'm doing a session at the Connect and Construct over ver- construction verification in light speed. Yeah, it's very very uh, geeky there, you know, light speed, <laughs> work speed ahead, you know. <laughs> oh yes. Um, but that fits us, man. Uh, I um, uh, for everybody out there that doesn't know this, uh, I, I moved. I no longer live near David, and I don't see him every day, so. Um, that's actually probably why we decided to do this podcast because, mm-hmm. um, we don't get to talk as much as we do. And we figured, hell man, let's just record it, throw it up on the internet. Um, and, and, you know, begin some dialogues and we'll ha- start having some guests pretty soon. I think we're going to have our first guest at AU. We'll see how that goes. Um, yes. but, uh, the reason why I bring this up is, um, David, I haven't seen you probably since DC maybe, or maybe yep. it was when I went to Portland, maybe two months ago. It's been a long time. no. No, I didn't even get to see you in Portland. Yeah, it was DC. Oh man, yeah, it's been a it's been a hot minute, man. So I'm looking forward to seeing you in Chicago or uh, Vegas. I am too. I can't keep my yeah, in Vegas. <laughs> Chicago next week. I'm uh, I'm presenting at the uh, uh, um, ASA. Uh, oh, the BIM event. Set. Yeah, yeah, the BIM event there with at uh, Morton's Mortenson Construction with uh, some of our Chicago peeps, and uh, that'll be a fun event. Nice. Um, so if anybody can make it, come see us there. Um, but anyways, uh, sorry, man, I kind of digress, got off on topic. I wanted to chat about the beer a little bit as we normally do when we start these things, but, uh, BIM for the little guy, I wanted to ask you a question that I've been kind of thinking about. Do you think Autodesk's, uh, restructuring, right? So they went to this, uh, subscription model where, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you might pay more of the long run, but it's just a lower cost of entry to get into the software, especially if you had, uh, an older sheet of software that you um, you did a maintenance to subscription upgrade on, right? So yep. you had you had maybe a seat of Revit, but then you switched it over to an AEC collection. Well, did you do you do you ever think about this? Like maybe that that switch that Autodesk did, which you know some people like, some people hate. You know, uh, there are pros and cons to it. Um, but do you think that that move has um, in any way helped redefine or or speed up the process of BIM because we have now, now with an AEC collection, right? So if you're paying your maintenance every year on a, on a seat of uh, um, a subscription or a seat of collections 
uh, what's the word? Actually, what's the word I'm looking for? Suites. Uh, if you had like yes. you know a suite of software, you're paying like a thousand dollars in maintenance every year. Then you mm-hmm. upgraded that to maintenance subscription. You're paying the same amount of money, but you get all the software. Do yes. you think like that move had has enabled anybody, right? So maybe where somebody had um, say a seat of Civil 3D, but now they have access to Recap and Infoworks and Revit and all these great tools that all kind of work together or maybe if they were using revit they now actually have fabrication cat mep with it so they can actually um now with the new fabrication tools like did you have you ever thought about like maybe this this move to collections has actually sped up the the bin market a little bit oh definitely i honestly think pretty much everything they're doing is is speeding up that process because you're looking at if you want to break it down a little bit more than that um, you start seeing monthly payments on programs like Revit and programs like AutoCAD. If they'll do monthly, like uh, monthly payments towards a year-long subscription of that, it, it makes it easier for these smaller yeah. firms to be able to get into it. Right? And that's an option, except for with the monthly, they end up paying like – They do pay uh, more. They end yep. up paying a lot more because um, uh, I think the payoff is like at seven months or something like that. I have yes. to left out a calculator figure this out. but. You end up paying more, but if you know, like, well, hey, I might not need this software next year, you know, exactly. it, it might, might be that that um, at the very least, well, it allows you to bill it back to a project and get yes. get it under under control uh, um, to where it aligns up with your project. In fact, I work with uh, a very large uh, contractor, uh, self-performing GC, up in the Northeast, and uh, all of their seats of software are like. Um, you can, you can see like they all started at the date of a project and they were never, uh, prorated. They like to have them, um, set with, uh, you know, aligned to that, that specific project. And the reason yep. is like, it just helps, they feel like it helps them manage it better and that sort of stuff. So, I yeah, mean, I mean, that, that makes total sense. You could start looking at it by project. If you need Revit for a project and the project's going to last six months, are you going to pay? I mean, at that point, yes, I could see, you know, are we, can we weigh, paying for the full year of Revit over paying for six months, you know, you, that's where you got to weigh it. But at the same yeah. time, you're looking at these jobs and saying, I need this for this job. They enable me to do this for this long and then stop paying for it. Well, or if you think that you've got, well, Hey, look, you know, normally my renewal is in, um, let's just th- start it out. Say normally my renewal is January, but I had this project come up in July or uh, yeah, mm-hmm. in July. Do I want to, prorate this to January knowing that this is a 36 month project or do I just want to buy the seats for this this project for 36 months so they start and stop here in July which is when we're forecasting the project to end and worry about it that way instead of having to pay an extra six months because we decided to to prorate it to our uh, January renewal or whatever I don't know there's a lot of things to think about a lot of intricacies about licensing but I just think that this conversation about like when we talk about BIM for the little guys, it, it mm-hmm. really does come down to money. It comes down to uh, finding people uh, to do this yep. labor. Like Again, working with this uh, company in Illinois, um, they just green-lighted a BIM department, but now they have to start finding people to do this. They usually – they typically outsource all their CAD work, but um, we're talking about self, self-performing – actually, it's a, a, a contractor, a subcontractor, um, mechanical mm-hmm. plumbing, that sort of stuff. But they outsource all their, their drafting work. So now they want to bring it internally. You know, they've greenlighted that. Now they actually have to find somebody. So, yeah, the software is one cost, whether it's three thousand bucks a year or, you know, three hundred bucks a month, well, whatever that cost is. If I can, 
if I can take over on for a second before we push on to that tangent, because that's an excellent point right there. When Go you're right ahead, my training, man. everything like that. But I wanted to kind of digress back to your previous point of how they're enabling BIM with these design suites. I'm I mean, glad you honestly, picked up that I had a point because I did not pick up I had a point. <laughs> yes. Well, what I was saying, you're 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 really you're you're onto it there because. What they're doing is, I mean, as I'm, I'm going through, you know, structure, a structural workflow in Autodesk, something like Revit, right? And then they're giving these integration tools such as Robot and Advanced Steel. And they're all included in the actual, oh, yeah. The, yeah. The, the package, right? And a lot of people aren't, let's say, using these yet. But hey, you know what? It's there. Or form it for conceptual. You know what I mean? Or... um. We, well, Formit is, is a we, great conceptual tool, and it works just into that workflow of, hey, you know what? I have a person that's not so great at Revit. They really don't want anything like that. They want to be able to make quick you know, drawings on something and push and pull shapes and just get something out there, get it started to show the client and get it started, right? Get that on paper, bam, send that out into Revit, and then go from there. Or you know, even AutoCAD. I mean, it's 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 all about just finding what your niche is, how you can utilize that and use it to better your workflow, better your processes. How can I use this? I mean, I already have it, right? Yeah. I already have it. What can it benefit me? Yeah. So again, I was meeting Definitely. with a, a multidiscipline engineering firm. Um, we were chatting about what they're using. They're using Revit. They're just now getting to civil 3d for their, their civil, their engineering side of stuff. And we were chatting about like, hey, what kind of work do you do? And, you know, they listed off a million different um, uh, um, sectors that they're involved with. And it was like, you know, really the conversation came down to is like, well, do you know you have this? Why are you doing it this way? Do you know you have this? Why are you doing like, we're like, no, we, we, I mean, we see them, you know, whenever we want to download stuff, but nobody knows anything about them. And I'm like, well, yep. we've got to do a better job at evangelizing this. I, for years, yes. evangelized this workflow of InfraWorks for preliminary design, um, doing a, a, a bridge model, right? So we can mm -hmm. actually do roadway design. Uh, so in, inside of InfraWorks, I have the ability to um, uh, turn the, the, so I can take a snapshot right over an area. And what it does is it creates a 3D model of that area. Not an accurate one, but a good one for preliminary design. Then what I can do is I can actually t turn the roads into design roads and actually uh, change them as I see fit. Um, and I can export those roads. So say I want to create on-ramps and I want to build a bridge, I can actually um, export that surface of the, uh, the, the roadways to um, Civil 3D mm -hmm. and have that. And then the bridge, it'll actually design the bridge using Ashto tables. You know, I give it the mm -hmm. span, you know, tell it the, the design that I'd like. And all of a sudden, it creates this bridge. Pretty, you know, uncreative bridge, but a bridge that's designed with engineering tolerances. From there, nice. I take that bridge and I export it to Revit. What happens is InfraWorks uses the Inventor engine to, in seconds, minutes, if it's a big bridge, create Revit families, customize Revit families for that bridge that I created. Mm-hmm. Then I can use that. You remember that workflow? I think it, it was in like 2018 or 20, 2019 we were talking about it where um, we could connect Civil 3D with Revit. And I could, if I made a change in one, I could, it was part of the, um, 
infrastructure modeler uh, yep, adding yep, it might be part of 2020 now, like natively, and might not be a mm -hmm. separate download. I have to check into that. But um, what I was able to do is, so I had my bridge, I had my Surface and Civil 3D. If I made a change in one, it would update in the other one. Like I'd have both open at the same time. It was pretty cool. So like there was these integrated workflows that people weren't using. And you mentioned something earlier about conceptual design and format. Um, you know. Eh, it goes above and beyond that. Like we can hook in Dynamo and a lot of people yes. are just yes. now starting to get into Dynamo uh, mm -hmm. and geek out on it. And what's possible I was chatting with another engineer about Dynamo and they were like, yeah, yeah, actually we just heard about this. Like uh, they say this is going to be the next greatest thing for the civil industry. And I'm like, well, you oh, know, it gosh. allows you to customize a bunch of stuff, but uh, Dynamo has been out for quite a long time. So mm -hmm. um, we're seeing it jump across uh, industries now, but Formit was just had this great, uh, integration with Dynamo where we could uh, really create custom uh, nodes on a building essentially. Mm -hmm. Oh man, it, it was insane. When I started watching these workflows of, well, Formit and Dynamo, that was awesome. But the going back into InfraWorks and Civil 3D, I mean, I was watching this demo where they actually utilized Dynamo and, and uh, InfraWorks and Civil on a, uh, what, a light rail system. And essentially, they were using it for all of the points where they put the tracks, and they it, it built the entire system out for them. As they were just going, they just entered in parameters. And essentially, yeah. it's like an offset, and it just creates the entire rail system. Well, they say that's the next the next jump for us is um, uh, programmatic design or, or uh, what's the? Uh, generative. Generative design. I was going to say, they gave generative it another design. Generative design, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, that, that's the next big leap for, for it. I mean, you got a thousand iterations, you choose the one that fits, fits, you know, best or whatever. Yeah. They say that's the next, the next big thing. Um, yep. I've seen a lot of cool stuff with it. And as we move services to the cloud, computing to the cloud, it just, you know, it's going to make life a lot easier. Uh, Autodesk I, is I, doing yeah. something right now where we're, they're moving, uh, fabrication, uh, components to the crowd, to the cloud. So fabrication systems from fabrication cat MEP. Now imagine once, uh, all this stuff's accessible from the cloud. You have um, engineering tables. You have all this stuff in the cloud. It doesn't bog down your machine, and you can do generative design for systems um, based off of you know um, you know least least material you know you know l lowest cost, least material used. Yep. Long you can factor in things like longevity um, and you know best best you know performance or something like that. Yep, I agree. And you know what's what's um, a really big thing nowadays. If you start getting back into, like, let's say the subcontractors, contractors, architect, well, the AEC workflow, right? Um, you start talking about collaboration nowadays. Um, now, normally we'll see with the smaller firms, they'll make designs, they'll email it out, right? And, and essentially, we're starting to see some of these bigger firms are not really wanting to deal with that workflow, right? Well, so... Well, yes and no, man. Yes and mm -hmm. no, because I I just encountered an architect locally, you know, like small, you know, two man shop type deal. Mm -hmm. But they want to, um, and they use like they use pretty much just AutoCAD. Mm -hmm. They see the features of it. They want to get there eventually, but they're not there. They're not going to get there for yep. quite some time. But um, they they want to be able to collaborate in a more seamless manner and 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 seem like they they have it locked down and that they know what they're yep. doing and and but still retain permissions over files and that sort of stuff. So they're and looking at solutions like PlanGrid and BIM 360 and that sort of stuff to to yep. to have that collaboration and all that sort of stuff 
um, not Bin 360 Design, but Bin 360 Docs, just yep. for file sharing collaboration. So it's not a glorified FTP site. It's more of a streamlined process. Um, and if I can interject another one, one of my favorite programs, Bluebeam. Bluebeam Review. I mean, Bluebeam Studio is included. It's $300 a year for a standard license of that. I'm just going mean, to start calling you Bluebeam Dave, man. Bluebeam Dave. <laughs> I, I love Bluebeam. I think that, that program is great, especially for the price a, point. I'm going to find like a meme generator and find like the Dave's not hitting me <laughs> and like work something with Bluebeam in there. Yeah, oh yeah. I just... I see it a lot of times, you know, I mean, it does not matter if you're, if you're using CAD, if you're using Revit, it's got to go into a PDF kind of format at some way, shape or form, right. At some time of an, or another. And if, if they have the money to, to go up to docs, yes. If they can get the contractors or subcontractors that they're working with to go ahead and give them a seat of docs, definitely. Well, I what's mean, the that, what's the cost? Uh, so, uh, forgive me for not knowing this, but Bluebeam is that an annual cost or is that a upfront no, cost? No, it's, it's an upfront cost that you pay three hundred dollars, and it's an annual cost of what a hundred dollars for okay. maintenance. So and, it's and a, it's a little less expensive than than Docs mm-hmm. in the sense that Docs has about the same amount of upfront cost, but it's an annual cost, and yours yep. I guess sounds like more of it's a maintenance. So. Well, and, and what I'm saying is it's a, it's a good starting point. You know what I mean? It's a good way to get into it. Docs, yes, obviously that is a step above. I mean, that's well, not, well, what well, are we going to do tomorrow? About, we're, we're doing yeah. a presentation tomorrow where we're integrating both Bluebeam and, uh, and, uh, yes. Docs, man. So like, it, it, again, it the, there's right layers, workflow. there's yep, layers there's, to all this, dude. Exactly. The integrations are amazing because we have to have it. That's what I mean. That's what Autodesk saw there. I mean, they were kind of forced to do it, but they had to make that integration because, again, that's enabling BIM because it's all part of it. Well, there's a lot of great enablations. Integrations. Yeah, I think I've got enablations <laughs> down, but um, there's a lot of great integrations that are coming with that new platform. I am so excited. Um so I, I was a big proponent of Bluebeam a long time ago, right? I mm-hmm. was like one of the first people at our firm to actually use it. Loved it. Um, played around with JavaScript. We wrote, you know, codes. I worked with a buddy of mine who, um, uh, who you know, I believe now. Uh, he played. He's a big Dungeons and Dragons nerd, but uh, <laughs> we were making automatic dice. We were using Java to to make a auto, automatic dice rollers built into the uh, the program, so he could like launch, you know. Um, uh, a, a Bluebeam session and do Dungeons and Dragons online. It was really That's weird, amazing. but, but, um, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons in my life. So, so don't, don't form any opinions of me, man. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I don't know. It was just a cool thing. But now that I see like, so I met with Jim Quancy from Autodesk who is on the forge side and he's, you know, trying to get everybody to, to jump in with, you know, develop their own tools to, mm-hmm. to leverage forge that series of APIs that been through 60 is built on. Um, and a lot of great stuff is coming out of it. And then uh, I got my buddy uh, Josh Cheney, who uh, oversees the construction integration side of BIM 360. Mm-hmm. So he's focused on like the name brand apps that are getting integrated uh, to BIM 360 um, and having conversations and figuring out what's coming. Huh. I'm so excited, man. Like this yep. platform, you know, um, uh, there are a lot of well-known tools out there. 
that mm-hmm. do a great job uh, uh, at you know maybe the 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 project control side of things, but you know they're lacking on the BIM side of things. They're lacking yep. on the information that you know managing the information in those models. They're lacking on integrations with other pro- products and programs, mm-hmm. um, and enabling processes. They're literally just about pro- uh, project controls. BIM 360 is so much more than that. So I'm excited. Yep. This is me evangelizing it. <laughs> Pre AU, we're gonna go there yep. and cram down our throats, you know, like we do every oh, year. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm diving in with a shovel, man. Me too. I'm right there. You know, I, it's funny, but um, uh, while I was up in Anchorage, I'm going to do a quick shout out. But I got to talk to the people over at Rumbix, right? And funny enough, that was they actually got the uh, the Forge, um, the Forge Award um, for funding. Okay. okay. Yeah, they got the Forge funding. And what's awesome about it is, is I kind of think that, of course, it's it's a great, they enable great workflows, tracking time, the safety talk, toolbox talks, all that kind of stuff. Um, keeping in hours going, being able to transition that into accounting, right? But I feel like that's also another form of BIM, right? And you start oh, yeah. looking at some of these smaller contractors that are having trouble, like, c- competing with a lot of these bigger firms, Right. And you'll see a lot of their guys are still carrying out paper documents. You'll see that they're still filling out either hand time slips or they're getting into an Excel spreadsheet and trying to do a file save as and, you know, put information like that up. And I see something like Rumbix or something like, you know, uh, Raken, these these cheaper construction applications that are that are starting to come out and they integrate with things like BIM 360. Right. BIM 360 sees the need. Well, Autodesk sees the need for these smaller construction apps to be able to communicate that information because it's all connected. It's all needed. You know, we analyze that information over the course of the project, over the the, let's say the the course of a year, however many projects you work. And you're analyzing the time, the accounting, your budgets, tracking everything that's going on. And again, it's it's enabling you to get better right? To better your processes, figure out where you're losing money, figure out where you can actually, where you, how much money you're making and how you can take that and put it towards processes that are like, okay, I I'm sucking here. We really need to better this. Let's go ahead and invest in something like, you know, Hey, we're, we're having trouble keeping track of our guys time, how long they're spending on the job site, these safety issues. We seem to be getting a lot of them. Our guys are signed, you know, are we keeping track of all of their, their safety talks in the morning? Are we making sure this is being done? You know, are we keeping them liable for anything like that? I mean, these are all enabling those workflows in our BIM process. So, so Autodesk is doing something really cool right now um, where they're propping up these companies. You mentioned the, the Forge Funding Award and all that stuff. They're propping up these companies that do stuff really great that are really great at, uh, you know, developing the technology and marketing the technology. They, they're, they're doing a tremendous job uh, filling industry gaps, but propping them up on their own platform. And then once, you know, they get integrated or once they get um, to a certain level of, of users, Autodesk comes in and says, all right, you know, you did a great job. We were ready to integrate this into our platform. So we're going to go ahead and give you this offer you know, they buy them out essentially. This happened with Assemble, Building Connected, a few other ones. 
um, and they get brought into the BIM 360 fray, you know, and eventually over mm-hmm. time, what happens is what happened with the AEC collections. All of these softwares get get integrated into a package that the little guys can actually bite off on instead of paying $15,000 for this software, $3,000 for this software, $12,000 for that software. They're and they're paying, you know, one annual fee. It's a low, low cost, you know, um, pay per user. So they're not having to, um, you know, pay for extra fluff or what if scenarios mm-hmm. like the other ones. Uh, we deal with a lot of um, uh, competition where they have the, the magic spreadsheet where it's like, yeah, well, you know, uh, we're just a small firm and we, uh, you know, uh, we just need some simple, you know, tools for, for the job site. Oh, that's great. Well, how much money uh, or what are the size of these projects? They're asking what the size of the projects are, how much the total value is, not asking them what their take of the project is. So they're getting uh, charged based off of the overall size of the project and, uh, you know, a crippling bill. What Autodesk mm-hmm. is doing is a different approach where they're, you know, it's the paid per user. And then also, um, you know, there's going to be other technologies that we didn't create, but we're going to go ahead and buy them and integrate them. And I think that that getting back to the message at hand, BIM for the little guys, is these little guys can pay the, you know, the regular $400 a year, you know, user uh, fee for, mm-hmm. uh, or something like 350 or whatever it is for uh, BIM 360 docs, but they get to, take advantage of all of the integrations Autodesk has acquired uh, yep. as part of it. Or, you know, maybe there's just another low cost um, tool out there that well, they can easily turn on and integrate. Definitely. And, you know, there's, um, it, it's funny, the sales guys hate it. And um, of course it, it is what it is, but there are ways that you can utilize the software in, in terms of like, if I'm in BIM 360, adding a project admin, you know what I mean? And, and making them in charge of, <clears throat> document management for this project but you know what that project is wrapping up and i have another one that's spinning up real fast and i have another i have another person that i really need to run another project i you know what let's go ahead and remove that license off of this user so i have that seat that i can go ahead and put to this user you know so you don't really it's it's finding the way to utilize your software to fit not only your budget but your need yeah yeah, unassigning or reassigning. Like it, it's not an easy process. It's something you want to do as a project's wrapping up, or mm-hmm. or as maybe you're moving into a different phase of a project and you yep. can free up some seats on that project. Take them. Mm-hmm. That's what it's there for. It's meant to be yep. reassigned for somebody else. And I love the fact that it's uh, per person and not per pod project because that one person can use it on unlimited projects. I love that. Yep. But um, this whole idea of BIM for the little guys, though. Um, there was this old workflow and I think I've talked about it before where, uh, it was on the classic version of BIM 360 where anybody could take a, um, a Revit file, uh, publish it to glue, kick it out to field. Um, and then they can, they can use the field tool for commissioning. You were talking about, um, where it's not just about the building data, but actually about like um, uh, warranty information, safety stuff that happens on the job site, all that stuff. All that stuff can be um, tied in through field, and then we can create attributes and all that sort of stuff, and then we can actually publish it back to our Glue model, our Revit model, and therefore at the end of it have this very data-rich model from stuff that happened out in the field. Now that feature is coming with for the next-gen BIM 360, but literally all that cost, that that software cost, right? We're talking about 
that's really robust handover workflows, stuff that differentiates uh, a contractor um, and, and is sure to get business, um, literally costs them probably, you know, maybe $3,000 a year total in software. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about from Revit to um, BIM 360 Glue to BIM 360 Field. That was the, the old the old product names. Now as yep. we have to coordinate and build, once that uh, uh, equipment tracking, asset tracking workflow is baked out, um, again, it'll still probably be less than $3,000. It's pretty amazing that we can get that set up for our, our you know field staff to do commissioning and, and have all this information published back into our, our model. Defeats, you know, you know, publishing, you know, a bunch of O&Ms, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all that sort of stuff. We, we have a rich model at the end of this. So anyways, yep. when cost is the issue for the BIM for the little guys, it doesn't have to be. And, and we can help mitigate those com- – we can have those conversations to help mitigate um, uh, rising costs and yep. have industry differentiators for people. And you know what else goes into that, Joey? And we exactly. as we transition right into our kind of um, – take a tangent right off into it is training right because at that point they need to know what they have ask around look at youtube talk to your resellers um you know i mean shout out topcon solutions you know there are there are people that do training for these different types of programs as you start getting deeper into it you know hey maybe we need someone that's using civil 3d to use infoworks to get this project this is a yeah. great opportunity. You know what I mean? Hey, we can send this person to two days of training. It doesn't have to be months. It doesn't have to be, you know, a college course. Yes, it can be great if you can put somebody into that, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. There's or global e-training, right? There's there's applications like that that you can use. I mean, the training is out there. And that's part that's also part of what we really need to start having people recognize. Yeah, so I think I think it goes two prong, right? So uh, awareness of of software, well, three prong rather. Awareness of softwares, awareness of workflows between the softwares. I did a mm-hmm. uh, a webcast, I don't know, maybe like three years ago, where I was just jumping between programs and showing, you know, th- I can do this in Infoworks. This is what it gives me in Civil. This is what it gives me in Revit. Mm-hmm. Why I'd want to do that, but like continuing those conversations around workflows between products. So what products you have, the workflows between the products per industry, um, and then you know being re- setting realistic expectations around you know what it's going to take for you to actually jump into this. Hey, we can get you up to speed and know the buttons to click within you know um, eight hours or 16 hours of a classroom time, so two days or whatever it is. Um, but um, you play with that and you'll get more proficient over the next two months, and then you'll become a master. And uh, uh, you know maybe not in two months, but over time you'll become a master of it. And, and that that right there makes your firm invaluable. Like you yep. have something, a skill set that um, uh, is just going to keep propelling your 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 company. I was chatting with uh, our, some of our own guys, right? Uh, I mean, we've got several divisions of our company, and they're struggling. They're racking their head against the wall. They're like, oh, there's got to be tools out there for automated feature extraction for um, uh, civil applications, right? We talk about Clear Edge yeah. for vertical. But they're, yep. they're flying drones or they got point clouds and they want to be able to extract surfaces and curbs and all that stuff. Yeah. Infoworks, um, yes. I was like, have you guys heard of Infoworks? They're like, yeah, yeah, it's that <laughs> preliminary planning tool, right? It does that stuff. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, it is, but there's a whole other side of this application. They're like, wait, what? Like I could you know, scan a site 
and bring all that data into, in, uh, you know, go through recap, bring it into InfoWorks. And in InfoWorks, you know, I get to uh, choose all my linears, my lines, so it'll actually, um, you know, place lines on my curbs and all that stuff. But it'll also pick up um, uh, telephone poles, telephone lines. It'll pick up mm-hmm. uh, stop signs and, tr- you know, different types of trees and all that stuff. It picks all that stuff up. We can generate surfaces. We can, you know, use that data uh, inside of other applications. Um, it's just having these conversations and spreading the gospel beyond our own ears. And I know you and I, we talk a lot about different workflows, stuff that people don't even know about. Um, heck, and we probably got to do a better job at evangelizing. And hopefully this podcast helps <laughs> us do that. But yeah, right. But, uh, uh, just chatting about what's possible. I mean, there's a lot of great tools out there just within um, the standard packaging that, that, you know, the industry offers, whether it be Autodesk, well, it's definitely going to be Autodesk, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of solutions out there and a lot of workflows that people aren't taking advantage of. Um, well, I mean, so, it really it, tie it back together. There's TopCon just made the, um, what the partnership with Bentley, um, and, and they're partnering with Autodesk as well. And really, I mean, at at that point, I think that they're trying to embed themselves further into this process to help, right? Because at at the end of the day, no matter what platform you're using, we're all part of the process. Yeah, we all have the same hurdles. We all have to exactly build build stronger, you know, build faster, faster, with the same amount of budgets that we had before, and with you know decreasing staff because while there's more people, there's less people in construction. Bottom line. I go around, you know, I've been around preaching this um, uh, uh, integrated BIM, you know, workflow and mindset, talking about additive manufacturing and and where technology is taking us. And it always comes down to, well, that's displacing jobs. It's like, yes, it is. But it's displacing jobs that that aren't being filled because we have to do a better job today at, at, at evangelizing and educating we have to evangelize the industry. We have to talk about how great it is. We have to talk about the the technology that we play with. We're not swinging hammers. We're not doing any of this stuff. I mean, yes, we are. That's needed yeah. needed skill. Don't get me wrong. Um, in fact, one of the the most amazing uh, um, skills out there in my mind, mm-hmm. and I'm always in shock and awe, is finished carpentry. I <laughs> if it wasn't for um, uh, wood putty. Um, I, yeah, my <laughs> finished, yeah, nothing I do would look good. Um, but you know, I, there's these, these skills and these traits that people possess, um, or they're taught and, uh, mm-hmm. um, they, you know, they're great technology can't really get there yet for what they do, yeah. but where we're lagging, um, technology is going to help us get there. You know, it's going to make us faster, stronger, that sort of stuff. I agree. Is it you that was telling me about the, and getting off topic of, been for the little guys but speaking of little guys was it you that was telling me about the um the exoskeleton yes yes the exoskeleton in construction yep oh man like that stuff's like you know that like that technology blows my mind as well but uh, right it's out there dude and i mean it's all going it's all coming together it really is because it's helping again us build better faster and stronger because i mean at that point you can enable a person, even with um, if, they, if they're getting older, the, to be able to lift a little bit more or, you know, hammer faster or better, actually, without putting as much strain on their bodies. Because you know what I mean? One of the big things that we're seeing is in construction, you're swinging a hammer for so long, that's great, but you are beating your body up. 
You know what I mean? And a lot of these guys, some may not use proper lifting techniques. Um, some don't, you know, they, they might get carpo tunnel in their hand from repeated hammering or anything like that. That's why and, a nail gun is, is golden. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's why they're, yeah. you know, developing more tools. And this exoskeleton is one of those that is going to help keep a person healthier, safer, longer. So, so uh, again, staying off topic, but still talking about little guys, uh, uh, there was this, maybe it was at AU a few years ago. I don't remember where it was, or maybe it was a blue beam conference. It was somewhere where they were talking about the integration of, uh, robotics in, in the workforce. And it wasn't to displace, um, skilled labor. It was actually to work in conjunction. So a guy that is working with a robot, um, you know, robotic arms that, you know, are, are holding stuff or, 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 you know, forming stuff or whatever, something that he's not able to do in such a capacity, but he's actually controlling it or working in conjunction with it is able to be more efficient as a person. Um, so like they're really embracing him. I think it was like a BMW plan or something like that in Germany mm-hmm. or something. I don't remember where it was or Mercedes or something. I don't know. It was a, it was a plant, uh, uh, facility in another, another country. And, um, I mean, it was impressive to see and it was, you know, I, when I think about technology displacing, displacing labor, I don't think of it as displacing labor. I think it is filling the current job gap that we have and allowing our current workforce to actually use tools like that to be more efficient. And that's why I'm thinking. Um, So anyways, get off that tangent back to BIM, the little guys, let's wrap this up, man. We'll come full circle here. Um, Uh, you know, the, the, you know, it's not a, a cost issue because the costs have come down. Yes. Subscription as a service. It's a pain in the butt model, uh, to be thinking about, you know, if you think about it, you have to pay for it every year. I think as a consumer, it's a harder pill to swallow, but as a business, it's probably, it makes more sense than anything. Uh, mm-hmm. especially with, uh, was it the, the, uh, tax 197 or something like that plan where, you know, it's a, it's a write off. So it's not too big of a deal. Yep. Yep. There um, are their tax breaks and exemptions that yeah. they can, that they can get for using them. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you're buying the software, you know, you know, feel free to write it off, uh, all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. It's business expense. But, well, and then uh, you start looking at most governments nowadays are actually, um, requiring BIM as a format. Yeah. I, I mean, I've worked with, uh, DOTs that are standardized on, on Bentley MicroStation, but they're, you know, starting mm-hmm. to require, you know, they're specifying a 3D application, you know, civil uh, information modeling program, some tool like uh, Civil 3D um, or Inroads or whatever it is. But they're they're mandating it, like that you use a tool like that even to be part of the job. In fact, some yep. DOTs, and this is getting off the topic of BIM, more as more just talking about emerging technologies. But some DOTs that we're working with are actually mandating that people fly the site and provide the drone data because the drone data will actually tell them uh, how much dirt they have to move or how much dirt they are moving. Uh, Very, very like, so they know that, um, uh, you know, they're not overpaying. Uh, So when, you know, typically what happens is somebody underbids a job. When you Mm -hmm. win a job, it's not because you bid it correctly. (laughs) Usually everybody's like, oh crap, what did we miss? We, you know, uh, we won the job. What did we miss? That's like the number one thing. Um, so then it's like figuring out, you know, where, are, where's our swing in costs, you know, how can we figure this out? So if you're talking about, um, you know, dirt, moving dirt, you know, you could have a lot of costs in that dirt and moving the dirt. So, 
um, whenever they, you know, submit, hey, you know, we want to be paid because we're moving 22 dump trucks of dirt this week. Well, are you really? So, you know, they're starting to mandate flying the sites and all that sort of yep. stuff, giving that information. But uh, I'm for it as a as a taxpayer. I'm I'm for that, especially yep. for government. Yep, I agree. I mean, it goes right back into that verification workflow. You know, you're verifying what's there as to what's been done. But uh, kind of getting back on getting back on track there. Been for been for the little guys. You're right. It's not really all about cost anymore. Um, it's not really about training anymore. There are various training options and various um, people out there utilizing this. I mean, you look at YouTube, you go to LinkedIn, um, lynda.com, anything like that, global e-learning. There are a lot of different applications out there to use to get sped up on things that are possible. What, while you and, were mentioning e-training, I just want to give a shout out. Topcon e-training, uh, <coughs> Topcon Solutions e-training. Uh, we're launching our own e-training platform, uh, e-training at topconsolutions.com, I believe is going to be the address. Or no, that's an email. Uh, e-training.topconsolutions.com, I believe is what it's going to be. And it's going to have all your Topcon needs, all your Autodesk needs, all in one training platform. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, man. No, you're all good. Uh, I mean, that's that's perfect because that, that's part of, the, part of the process again because – um, what you're seeing is, okay, it's not about cost. It's not about training. Um, it's not about opportunity, right. Or, or fitting in, finding it, it, not about, I guess, not having the options to do it. It's really figuring out what you can use, how you can use it. And, and, and again, road mapping, planning, right. Doing the planning to figure out how you can really get there. And that's where I think most of the people like these little guys need to reach out and, and say, hey, this is what, again, this is what I'm doing, communication, right? This is what I'm doing. This is where I want to be. How can I get there? And you're looking for, I mean, uh, these evangelists, that's what you're looking for. People to talk these workflows and show you and kind of guide you through it, whether it's a one hour demo, it's a lunch and learn you know, or it's going to class, it's presentations, anything like that. Just be on the lookout for any of these emerging technologies and see if it can, if it can benefit you. Yeah, I'm with you, man. There's a difference between bleeding edge and leading edge, uh, obviously, right? So we talk about mm -hmm. emerging technologies. It's figuring out what works for you. But a lot of these technologies are very well baked, and it's just finding the time to actually – and I, I actually – what you said there – about um, uh, you know having that conversation about whether or, you know where you are, where you want to be, that sort of stuff. I actually want to challenge all all software vendors, all all equipment vendors. Hey, look, that's actually the conversation that we should be having with these uh, um, you know C-level uh, staff, with the the BIM managers, with uh, you know whoever it is that 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 can get the most benefit, and just come to them and say. Hey, look, you guys are here today, right? Or where do you guys think you are today? Well, we think we're here. Well, where are you competitively with with where you you know with your industry? And, and ask them these realistic goals or realistic questions, and then ask them what their realistic goals are, and you know what their realistic goals are for the next five years, and then what their pie in the sky goals are. And let's come up with a plan to get you know a, you know past the realistic and at least halfway to the pie in the sky. And figure that that out. I think that that's a that's a great starting point. Like that's something that we should all be um, talking with people about. And I, I mean, I have these conversations, but uh, 
Um, not as often as I should be, I guess, man. You've uh, mm-hmm. you've struck a nerve there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's 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 really what it is, man. It's social media, LinkedIn. It, it's reaching out and asking for help. I, I mean, I, I really can't even. I, I think that that's where we all want to be. That's all where that's where we should be, right? If you don't know where you can go, ask ask for help. That's that's a valid that's a that's a great note to end this on, man. Like, ask for help. That's it. That's perfect. All right. All right, man. Um, well, let's wrap this up, dude. So, um, where are you gonna you're gonna be in Portland this week, uh, and then we're yes, gonna sir. be in AU all next week. Yes, um, sir. Uh, what's the name of your your talk again at AU again? What's that gonna be? Oh yeah, it's a uh, construction verification in light speed. All right, man. Looking forward to it. I'll be there. I've already signed up. I've got my AU passes, my uh, Connect and Construct, man. I'm going to be there. Awesome.